Bible podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joey Bonifacio. Last week, we talked about the church being a community and not a building, a community that's gathered around Jesus, a community that cannot be destroyed, and finally, a community that holds the keys to the kingdom of God. Today, we're looking at the church in its inception right after Jesus died and a chronicle of which is in the book of Acts. The four Gospels right after that, the fifth book of the New Testament, is the book of Acts. It chronicles the work of the apostles of Jesus after he had risen from the dead. It also chronicles the founding of the church and the spread of its message all across the Roman Empire. We pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Notice the words, all the believers were together and had everything in common. There was a spirit of unity, a spirit of community. That's where we get the word community. Then also, I want to point out to you the, the second part of this verse, where it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Just a little bit of trivia here. Some people, communists in the past, in history, used this verse to say that communism is Christian and Christianity is espousing communism. Well, to begin with, communism does mean taking away people's property. This says they sold the property and possessions they owned. Communism takes away your possessions, which was the original idea. Now, the point of this is that there was shared life and there was kindness and generosity all across the early church at its beginning. In verse 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notice the words, every day they continued to meet together. Now, in the Old, in the Old Testament, the Jews met together during the Sabbaths. The Christians, however, met together every day. Not only did they meet together every day, they met in temple courts and in their homes, which means they did not just meet every day, they met anywhere. Now, finally, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And there we find the Lord added to their number those those who are being saved daily. Notice that discipleship and evangelism was not happening on a Sunday during making people raise their hands. It was being happening to them every day of their life as believers, the early church. Today, I want to talk to you about devotion and not a devotional. There are two reasons why I've entitled this message as such. The first is that we often talk about devotionals where we have a Bible study and we have a little booklet where we write our devotional. Now, the second reason why I'm saying devotion, not devotional, is because of the beginning verse I read to you earlier. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves And the early church was devoted, in other words, their center of their hearts were devoted to four things that we'll see in this one verse. The first is the apostles' teaching. The second is to fellowship. The third is to breaking of bread. And finally, they were devoted to prayer. For the last 2,000 years, the early church behaved this way. There were four things that they were devoted to, that their hearts were willing to commit to, they were willing to do it, whatever the cost may be. Prayer. Secondly, the apostles' teaching. Thirdly, breaking of bread. And finally, fellowship. I want to tackle first prayer. If there's anything that you need to understand that the church does, and when I say church, I mean you as an individual person, your small group, your community, the church that you go to on a Sunday is to pray. 
And first thing I want to say about prayer is pray like your life depended on it. One of the things that marked the early church was they knew how to pray and they believed that their whole existence depended on this thing called prayer. They believed that prayer was like oxygen. As oxygen is to the lungs, prayer is to the spirit. And they believed that there was important to be able to stand before a holy God and was only made possible because they were followers of Jesus. They believed that just like oxygen being present anywhere, giving life to everything, the presence of God is available anytime, anywhere, every day, and they could access God and pray to Him. One of the verses that I love so much that explains this concept of prayer in a very different light of not just speaking words or being religious is Romans 8 verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. Two points I want to make here. We don't really know what we ought to pray for, but thankfully, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, even though we don't know how to pray. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us. You cannot just pray in the flesh. If your life depended on it, you need to depend on God, the Holy Spirit, to teach you and help you how to pray. But the second thing I want to point out is where it says, through worldless groans. Many times we think that it's the beauty of the way we speak. It's the, it's the correct language. It says worldless groans because prayer is about the heart. And when we're praying, it's acknowledging that God is there, He's available for us, and we can talk to Him and pray to Him. First point is pray. Pray like your life depended on it. Pray for and with the church. Prayer is not just something you do alone 24 hours a day, wherever you find yourself, like your life depended on it. It also is praying for and praying with the church. Pray for the spiritual life of the church, the people around you. Pray for the relational life of the church. Pray for the physical health of the church and the people in that church. Pray for the finances of the church. We need to pray together. The whole point of the church is their early devotion was they knew how to pray alone and they knew how to pray together. Last week, I was with these men who are uh, working for a tech company. And as you know, today, tech companies are being uh, retrenched. A lot of people are losing their jobs. And what we did was we prayed together. We prayed for our spiritual, our relational, our families. Uh, we, we prayed for their, their, their physical needs. And specifically, we also prayed for their jobs and their finances. Point is, pray. Pray like your life depended on it. Pray for and with the church. And thirdly, pray for the world around you. What does that mean exactly when you say you pray for the world around you? Well, pray for your family and friends. Pray for their spiritual conditions. Pray for their relationships. Pray for their physical condition. Pray for their finances. Pray for your neighbors and colleagues. Pray for people in authority, the people in the government, the people who serve you, your bosses. Pray for the cities and the nations around you. A good time to pray for Turkey today where it's experienced tremendous agony because of an earthquake. Pray is the first devotion of the early church. But the second devotion, it says, was the apostles' teaching. Now, back in the day when the apostles were, were, were leading the church, there were no books that were printed. The printing press would not be printed until 1,500 years later. The apostles' teaching was basically, because there were no books printed, they was basically from the teachings of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament lenses from the perspective of Jesus under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament had not been written at that time, they only had the Old Testament. And so what they did was they meditated on the words of the Old Testament as it referred to Jesus and as the Holy Spirit enabled them. 
The second thing to understand was not only were there no books, there were no notebooks. You couldn't do a devotional even if you wanted to. So how in the world did these people devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, simply put, what they did was they meditated on the Word of God. If there were no books and notebooks, what will they read? What they did was they devoted themselves to meditating on the apostles' teaching from the Old Testament about Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take the sit in this company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And that's the first thing you need to understand about meditating. It's not about having an empty mind. Some people believe that meditation is emptying your mind. The Bible does not teach that. Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 actually says, delight in the law of the Lord. In fact, fill your mind with the word of the Lord. And then after you've done that, meditate on it. Think about it day and night. Meditation is not about emptying our minds. It's doing it day and night. That throughout the day, you condition yourself that when you find yourself in a situation, whether it be spiritual, relational, physical, or financial, your answer is the word of God that has filled your mind and you do it every day, day and night. In verse Psalm chapter 1, verse 3 continues, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. We are promised by God that if we are like a person who meditate, we will have become like a tree planted by streams of water. We will yield fruit. Our relationships will work in season. Our leaf, which is our health, will not wither. Whatever we do will prosper. Meditate on the word of God. It's not about an empty mind. Do it day and night and let it transform you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? By meditating on the word of God. The promise is when you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the second devotion of the early church. This is the second devotion that we as a church should be doing. Pray, meditate, and thirdly, the breaking of bread. Notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke, there it is, they broke bread together in their homes and ate together. I want you to understand the distinction. They broke bread in their homes. Some people think that's eating together. Well, the verse actually distinguishes the two from breaking bread and eating. Because breaking bread is not about eating. It's about this idea of proclaiming Jesus. Now, pastor, why do you say that? First Corinthians says in 11 verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, there it is, he broke it. And when he broke the bread, he said, This is my body, for which, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's talking about the breaking of bread is to remember Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for do this whenever you drink it again in remembrance of me. Now watch in verse 26, it says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim that because Jesus died for you, you can live the life. You can have access to prayer. You can have discernment of the meditation of the word of God. Thus, the breaking of bread means 
proclaiming Jesus in our lives. What does that really mean? Well, first of all, proclaim him to yourself and others. Every time you pick up a bread and every time you pick up a cup, proclaim what Jesus did for you. Proclaim that he is the one who saved you, who washed you clean, who will care for you. Secondly, proclaim him all the time. Not just when you're in church and you receive something like this. By the way, did this, not, did this cup and this cookie did not exist during the time of Jesus. It was an ordinary cup and an ordinary piece of bread. And every time you pick up a cup, whether you're in a, a, a kopitiam, whether in a restaurant, whether in a five-star restaurant, whether you're at home, whether you're having breakfast, whatever place you find yourself, proclaim Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you have lunch, proclaim Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Whether it's Chinese New Year, proclaim Jesus. Every time you pick up the bread and the cup, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim him to yourself and to others. Proclaim him all the time. Proclaim him anywhere. The idea of bread and cup was that was the only thing that was available. The genius of that idea is we will never forget to eat. You can proclaim Jesus every time you see food. <laughs> When you see it in a billboard, when you see it in a television show, when you see it online, when you see it on Instagram, proclaim Jesus was the third devotion of the early church. Notice where it says, pray, meditate, proclaim. And lastly, the devotion of the church was to fellowship. What exactly is fellowship? It's a gathering centered on Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 23 says, whoever is not with me and whoever, whoever is, uh, is against me rather, and whoever does not, gather, does not gather with me scatters. It says, if you're not in Christ, if he's not at the center of your gathering, you will scatter. Fellowship is the place where we're gathered with Jesus at the center. Secondly, fellowship keeps us protected from the darkness. The good thing about when we fellowship together, it keeps us and protects us from darkness. Notice where it says in 1 John verse 1, verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship allows us to walk in the light. As we walk together, the light gets brighter. When we see other people walking with Jesus in the light, that light affects us and makes our own lives become brighter. And the blood of Jesus' son purifies us from all sin. Fellowship is a gathering centered on Jesus. It keeps us and protects us from darkness. And it's a habit worth encouraging. Wherever you find yourself, find a way to fellowship. Whether it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, it really doesn't matter. It's about fellowshipping. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people have lost the habit of fellowshipping. Of, and they gave up meeting together, and some made a habit of it. The opposite is supposed to be, we make a habit of fellowshipping with one another by encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the fourth devotion of the church, fellowship. Let me summarize this short message that you can meditate on. The early devotion of the church was to pray. Pray like your life depended on it. Pray for and with the church. Pray for the world around you. Secondly, meditate. Meditate is about, not about emptying your mind. It's about filling your mind with the word of God and to meditate on it day and night. And finally, to let it transform you. To proclaim is simply to proclaim that Jesus to yourself, Jesus and what he's done for you, 
and proclaim that to your other friends, to your relatives, to your wife, to your children. Secondly, proclaim him all the time. And thirdly, proclaim him anywhere. And finally, the fourth devotion to the church is fellowship. A gathering centered on Jesus, it keeps us and protects us from darkness and a habit that is worth encouraging. Join me in a short proclamation of Jesus as we end this fellowship. You may have noticed our service is pray, meditate, proclaim fellowship. And you're wondering, where did that come from? Well, you just saw where it came from. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for reminding us to pray, to meditate, to proclaim you, and to fellowship with one another, whether online or in person. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.